Sorry, awkward transition. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Y'all just bear with me for a minute. All right? It's so good to be here. I'm so glad to see you all. I look forward to this every week. This is the highlight of my week, is getting to worship with my church family. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Um, Brother Donnie is obviously not preaching today. He's here. He's not dead. He's right there, okay? He may look like death, but he's here, okay? No. We're just giving him a hard time. Y'all pray for him. He's battling some, I know, some sickness and some illness. So you all, I'm glad to give him a week off so he can rest up. And so y'all be praying for him, please. And so that he can get back to it, because I can't do this every Sunday, all right? So y'all just, uh, y'all pray for me and bear with me as we get through this this morning. And so this morning, I, well, I posted on Facebook last night kind of the uh, introduction, the, the preface to this sermon. And so this morning, I want to ask you the question of, have you ever felt defeated? Have you ever just felt like you can't do anything to help the current situation that you're in? Maybe it's financially, maybe it's family issues, maybe it's friendship issues divorce, I don't know, any situation that you're in, you felt like you were drowning and that there was nothing that you could do. You just felt hopeless. You felt helpless. You know, I'm sure at some point in our lives, if you're over the age of at least out of high school, you've probably felt that same feeling before with something. I know I've felt that way. Growing up, I had to endure one of those situations, and it's one that literally that I physically and emotionally and mentally could not do anything about, and it was when my mom was battling cancer. Anybody who knows who's gone through that or medical issues, there's literally nothing that you can do to take that away from them. But growing up, my mom was by far the most spiritual and solid Christian that I knew. Her faith literally never wavered. Her love and joy in Christ literally spilled over into everything that she did. Um, anybody who knew her from her work and her job knew that she just radiated Christ through her. She was so good at that. And even while she was going through cancer, before she passed away, she never lost faith. She would tell me that, it, that you know, while cancer was not fun at all, she would talk about all the people that she got to minister to beside her in her chemo chair. And, like, she led people to the Lord. And how awesome was that? Like, she used that darkness for joy. And she never lost faith even before she passed away. And in fact, I believe those dark moments strengthened her faith in God. Well, that what she was going through helped her believe even more in God. My mom always found the positives in life no matter the situation. And now those who know me know that sometimes I struggle with that. I'm not always the most positive person. I mean, I have to be able to see how something's going to play out before most of the time I'm willing to do it or enact it. You can ask Donnie that I've shattered a few of his dreams, I think, before here when he has a crazy idea about church. He'll get this bright idea, and it's an awesome idea. And then I'm like, hey, how are we going to do it? Well, I don't know. Who's going to come? Well, I said, where are we going to get the money from? Well, brother, I don't know. You know how Donnie is. And so I've shattered his heart a few times, and that's not a good thing. I, I laugh, but it's not a good thing because I want to, uh, you know, be a person who is just, you know, optimistic and sees everything, but that's something I've struggled with. And so I remember, though, specifically a time when my mom was going through those battles, and obviously she was telling me, like, she's starting to come to the end of life here, and I, and I just remember, like, not having any faith in God and just being like, God, where are you? Like, dude, there's nothing that's going to happen. Like, there's no chance of my mom being healed. And my mom basically stopped me, and she was like, she looked me dead in the eye, and she said, what makes you think for one minute that God's not doing something through this? And she said that, Austin, I believe in miracles. And whether that's, that miracle is me beating cancer, or whether that's miracle, me passing away and getting to be with Christ, that's the ultimate goal. And I remember just tearing up and bawling because I was like, there's no way, you know, you can't do this. And then she asked me a simple question. She said, have you dialed God's phone number? And I said, what are you talking about? Have you dialed God's phone number? And she said, Jeremiah 33.3. 3. 
It's God's phone number. And so from that day forward, I've always called it God's phone number because I've never thought of it as anything other than that. And that's where we're going to be today. Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 1 through 3. We're going to read that real quick as you flip there. And then we're going to get right into it this morning. And I titled this sermon, From Destruction to Restoration. Because no matter what you're going through in life, you will be restored in Christ. No matter what the difficulties and dark moments that you're seeing, family issues, financial issues, you will at least one day be restored in Christ. And that's the goal. That is the, the rejoicing at the end. That's what we're going to see today in Jeremiah's life. So I'm going to read this, and then we'll get into it this morning. Jeremiah 33, starting in verse 1. It says this, While he was still confined in the guard's courtyard, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. The Lord who has made the earth, the Lord who forms it to establish it, the Lord is his name, says this, God's phone number. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty or incomprehensible things that you do not know. I'm going to pray this morning. We're going to dive into this. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that we just get to have the opportunity to dive into your word. God, there are people all around this country who are fearful in their lives to be able to even read the Bible, God, but we get to publicly publicly proclaim that, God, and so this morning we rejoice in that, but God, be with this word, be with this message, God, hide me behind the cross, speak through me this morning, so in your name we pray, amen. Our text today is focusing obviously on the life of Jeremiah, but it's more so really talking about how God reveals himself and what he is about through prayer. That's what it's about. Life tried Jeremiah, both um, in his life and by all that was going on around him in the kingdoms and the destruction that was happening, things seemed to really be going from bad to worse. They weren't getting any better. They were getting a lot worse for both him and the nation. Was there any hope? I mean, where could he find a solution to the problems and answers for the future? He had nowhere to turn to, but then God spoke to him. God here assured Jeremiah that he only needed to call upon him, and God would answer, and his answer would be marvelous. For not only does God know the future, but he holds the future in his hands. He knows how stuff's going to play out. And more meaningfully, he holds our future in his hands. He knows exactly what you're going through in your life right now. No matter what situation it is. Bad workplace. Bullies at school. Bitterness in your heart from another person. Marital problems. Whatever it is, God knows what you're going through. And he holds our future in his hands. Jeremiah learned that divine revelation becomes a reality, though, when it is sought. By calling out to God, he finds God enabling him to live out his life. God had given him a hope and a future of restoration in a time of personal crisis and really national emergency. The kingdom was literally falling down as this was going down. His hope and the focus of his ministry was for divine restoration. And so God, at this point, is now asking him for what seems humanly impossible. And so a little background um, before we get too deep into it this morning. Jeremiah records these verses. He's writing these verses out of a prison cell. He's in the courtyard of the prison because he has been arrested for all that he's done. And so Jerusalem was under attack at this moment. Jeremiah's country... Um, and men, they were depraved, they were rebellious against God, the entire country was, it was just a nation of sin, and so they plotted against Jeremiah's life to silence him instead of listening and applying the message. Jeremiah's distressed, he's angry, um, he's sad, obviously all this is going on. God has just answered Jeremiah's prayer back in chapter 32 um, by assuring him that nothing is too difficult for the God of all mankind, that God can handle any problem that comes his way. And so though his people were rebellious and defiant, God would unify them in heart 
through everlasting covenant and by putting the fear of God in their hearts. Jeremiah restored confidence in God, his plan, his provision, and his power made him ready to be challenged by God to ask for the restoration of his people to the will and to the way of God. And so that starts us with our first point this morning. And first point is the prompting. So whenever we look at this verse, notice God's invitation at the beginning of verse 3. It says, call to me, call to me. God invites Jeremiah and he invites all of us to call upon him. How, I mean, how complicated is that? It doesn't really get any more easier than that. He's just saying, call to me. There's no, um, you know, any situation, any place. There's no specific language. There's just call. You don't have to find an old school phone book and look up his number, right? No, you just call and you speak to God. It's very simple. And this cry doesn't have to be profound. This prayer, this crying out to God, there's no requirement for posture. You don't have to kneel down. You don't have to say a specific wording. Guess what? You can pray with your hat on, and I believe God listens to you. Me and Donnie had a debate about that a few weeks ago, but uh, funny. God, God hears our prayers. I believe that when we um, cry out to God, no matter where we are and what we're doing at that moment, God hears those prayers. Call when you're happy. Rejoice in his blessings. Call when you're sad and find his comfort. Call when you're guilty and encounter his cleansing. Call when you're depressed and hear his word of encouragement. Call when your world is upside down and watch him reveal a whole new world to you. Call when your burden is too heavy and the Holy Spirit will come and help you through that. Call when your strength is too little and your faith is too weak. Then he will mount you on eagle's wings. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, you will run and not be weary. That's what the Bible says. You will walk and talk together and not faint. This is a call here, specifically in this moment, for Jeremiah essentially to test the Lord. God stood ready to answer. The thought, though, is that we must ask if we would receive. God not only wants us to ask, he has placed himself in dependency upon our asking. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. He invites us to ask him. Come to me, is what he's saying. And creating man with free will, the ability, of course, to make our own choices, and making man a partner in really controlling the earth, God voluntarily limited himself. He made his work on earth dependent upon man. And here's what I mean by that. Don't, don't catch me wrong. What I'm saying by that is that we all have free will. If I think, if, if I wanted to go do something bad this afternoon, God might convict me, but at the end of the day, I have to, I'm making that decision. I don't think that some divine revelation is going to stop me from doing that. We have free will for a reason. But God commissioned man, though, with the responsibility to control and rule over the earth back in Genesis. We know that, Genesis chapter 1. In God giving man that responsibility, he also limited his own involvement. God took a step back and said, I'm going to let you all figure it out because I want you to come to me and I will guide you every step of the way, but you have to make that effort to come to me. He involves himself as the caretaker, making requests of him. Man, by his prayer, us, by our prayer, holds the lifeline to the blessings and specific involvement of God in our everyday human life. That is the reason that Jesus taught us to ask that God's will be done in the affairs of earth as it is in heaven, right? Matthew 6.10, the sovereign God has given man the responsibility to realize his need for God's activity in human affairs and the obligation to ask for it. I mean, how is God's will enacted on earth? Well, God brings his will to earth by man's calling out to him for it. And that brings me to the sub point this morning of is obviously... 
We must ask if we're going to receive. So many of us are like, I'm in this situation and nothing's ever going to change. Well, have you asked God to take it away? Matthew 7, 7, that's what we talk about. Um, it also, James 4, 2, what we just said, we have not because we ask not. That is most of the time our problem because we think that we can handle situations on our own. We think that we can just be angry about certain situations because nothing's ever going to change. We think that we can handle I mean, get out of any a pit that we're in. That We think that we can climb out on our own, but in fact, we can't because guess what? We're prideful. There's a little something that I struggle with a lot of times, and it's called pride, right? And I think many of us in this room do. We think that we can handle it on our own, but instead God wants us to come to him, and he wants us to ask. He invites us. He says, I'm going to take care of these problems, but you have to come to me. And that brings me to the next point this morning is the promise. Our part's to ask. God's part, though, is to answer. Notice the second phrase in verse 3. It says, and I will answer you. Call to me, and I will answer you. His invitation to call includes the assurance that God is going to answer. No matter what your prayer is, no matter how, what posture you speak it from, no matter what situation you're going through, God is going to answer you. I promise you that. However, it may not just be the answer that you're looking for, though. That's our problem a lot of the times, is we think that God doesn't hear our prayers, but we're looking for the wrong answer. We come to God with a preconceived answer, when in fact, he just wants us to come to him. God stands ready and able to answer our prayers. And we should have an expectation and a confidence that he is going to respond to us. The promise is that when you open the door on your side, you're not going to find God's side locked. God is standing there waiting to welcome you with open arms and answer your prayer. He guarantees you that aid and assistance. Some may say, can God answer all the needs in our life? You know, God doesn't know what I'm going through. God doesn't have to deal with the issues of today, right? Well, look at verse 2 of Jeremiah 33. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. This is a reminder that the one whose name is God, the one whose name is Yahweh, is the sovereign creator of the earth. He is the one who established it, meaning he put it into place and sustains it. What makes you think for one second that God can't handle your issue? God is the creator of the earth, and if he can create the worlds and hold them in their place, he can create an answer to your prayer and properly enact it. These words of praise, this response, serve as a reminder that he who created the world has power to answer all prayers, any prayers, and restore anyone or any nation. The fact that God desires to answer and is able to answer us, that we see so few answers to prayers is a call to confess of our prayerlessness and repent of it. A lot of the times we see, well, I never see God working. I never see God moving. How could God be real if the nation is the way that it is? Have you turned on the news lately? That's what I always get told. I'm like, are you praying? Well, no. Okay. Maybe our problems started because we have forgotten God. Maybe we've turned our back on God. Maybe that's why the world is the way that it is. I can tell you that's why the way it is, with full confidence. But what I'm saying is that any situation in your life, once again, we think that we can handle it on our own. Or we think that we kind of segregate our lives, right? And that, well, I have this spot in my life that's for God, right? I go to church on Sundays. I go to church on Wednesdays. And that portion's for God. But when I go to work Monday through Friday, that's for me. And I can separate God and my work. I can separate God and my family. And I can separate God and, and anything else that I'm doing. No, you can't. God needs to be interwoven into everything that you do in your life because that is what he's called us to do and to be. We are Christians 
all the time. We're not just Christians at church and then go to work and we're not. We're not just Christians here and then whenever we talk uh, politics or whatever, we're not. We need to be Christians with everything that we do. And so, our inability to uphold our responsibility to ask has held back God's blessing from the world. He's been ready to save and to seek the lost, and that's what he does. But we have not been willing to sacrifice our love affair with the world to ask. We are so obsessed with our sin, and we love sin, right? Because it makes us feel good in that moment. Whatever your sin that you struggle with is, we all struggle with different ones. Sin feels good in the moment. It does. That's why it is sinful. But it's the regret and the guiltiness that we deal with afterwards that we need to act upon. We need to ask God to get rid of those sins in our lives so that we can see him clearly. We must ask, church, take up your sacred privilege and call upon God because that's exactly what it is. It is a sacred privilege for you to call upon God and most of the time we just shove it to the back of our heads like, I'll pray when I get around to it. I'll depend on God when I get around to it, when I have time. Ask him for protection. Ask him for help. Ask him for deliverance in your time of need, whatever that is. He stands ready and is able to answer, but we have to ask for his assistance. Most of the time we don't. Think of how God is hindered and disappointed when his children seldom pray. And if they do, most of the time they only seek him for selfish desires. Most of the time we go to God because we want or need something. When was the last time you went to God simply to say, God, you are good. God, I love you. Most of the time we don't. How different would the state of the church and the world be if God's people were to call on him unceasingly, just like in 1 Thessalonians, when Paul says to pray without ceasing. What would our world look like today if we all prayed without ceasing? Yes, God could take care of our needs and problems in the world with literally the snap of a finger, right? God can do that. But he has bound himself to us. We must acknowledge our need for his involvement. We must call upon him who can accomplish what our little feeble strength could never do, whether we pray all together or alone. We must ask. We must humble ourselves and lay aside our pride and seek his face in prayer. It is our fault that God does not cheer our minds with a joyful and encouraging word because we've closed the door to God in our lives. So many of us stumble around looking for joy and looking for purpose when we've shut God completely out and said, God, I could do it on my own. If you're needing joy today, if you're struggling with depression and anxiety, pray about it. And I'm not going to say that's going to cure everything, but most of the time we struggle with issues because we never even go to God in the first place. We never seek the God of our salvation. We never seek the man who created joy himself. Our joy comes from salvation in the Lord. Our joy comes from God. Move on to our sub point. It's our part to ask. God's part is to answer. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's God's promise to you. That's Jesus speaking there in Matthew. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It doesn't say, hey, come to me once you get all your sin cleaned up. It doesn't say, hey, come to me once you've gone to church for six months. It don't say, come to me once you stop all your addictions. It doesn't say, come to me once you give so much to the church. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God's wanting you to come to him but you have to go to him. Point three this morning. 
the provision. God, though, does not simply answer as the third part of verse 3 states. He says, And I will tell you great and mighty things or great and incomprehensible things which you do not know. God wants to reveal great and unsearchable, whatever your translations may say there. He wants to reveal those things for us. And it's actually really, really cool because the adjective here used in this word is really describing a strongly fortified city. It's the Hebrew word batsar, and it means inaccessible due to fortified walls, meaning that you can't get in and you can't even see, you can't crack the walls, you can't get in. It is heavily defended, and you're not seeing inside of it. But guess what? That's just another proof that God tears down those walls in our lives once we go to him because he wants to show you those unimaginable things, those unsearchable things. The idea of the greatest things of God are not learned, attained, or conquered by human strength or wisdom, but first received by seeking the Lord through believing in prayer. The things of God are inaccessible to the searching and attaining natural man. They must be revealed by the sovereign creator, because Jeremiah asked the Lord to teach him. He said, Lord, show me your ways. God showed him hidden things and granted him uh, promises that gave Jeremiah assurance and encouragement for the future in the midst of man's rebellion. Inaccessible here um, that I referred to refers to the matters and answers so far beyond human insight that they require divine revelation and grace. Listen, we don't have the answers for everything in the world. We, we're not supposed to. God is supposed to take those, but he wants to show you answers and reveal himself to you day by day in prayer. The people of Israel here, though, had made void the promises of God by a life of sin, a life of self-sufficiency, by a life of not calling to the Lord so that he would have an opportunity to even answer them. They didn't do that. Does that sound familiar? Sounds familiar to me. Those who expect to receive blessings from God must call upon him. Promises are given not to do away, but to um, encourage prayer, to invigorate that. This word came to Jeremiah when he was in prison. Like I said earlier, no confinement, no bad situation can deprive God's people of his presence. But just because you're put in jail here like Jeremiah was, it couldn't shut him out from God's gracious visits. God can be exactly where you are no matter what situation you're going through in life. Right within the prison walls, Jeremiah was handed this expansive good news. Many of, our, of us find ourselves imprisoned in our certain circumstances. Instead of feeling shut up by them, we can be like Jeremiah and allow the prison to be the very place where God whispers his holy words and his promises to our hearts. We don't have to be locked out from God because of the situation that you're in. Maybe it's a self-inflicted situation. You got yourself into some sin, and because of that, you're now reaping what you have sowed. But guess what? God's not just gonna judge you for that. God's not gonna say, well, because of that, I'm not looking at you, I'm not answering you. God still wants you to come to him, and God will be so great and merciful to answer those prayers because that's who he is. He loves you, and he wants you to come to him no matter what you're going through. You know, there's a really popular Christian contemporary song out right now, um, and it really speaks to my heart. Um, it's called, There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. And I don't know if you listen to WJA or Caleb, you probably know that song, but, it, but I, I'm not going to sing it for you, I can promise you that. But I will, I will tell you the first verse. Um, it says this, it starts out by saying, Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, 
I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, and my heart can't help but believe there's nothing that our God can't do. Church, if that's not a promise to you, I know it's not scripture, but if that's not true about God, then nothing else is because all those things are true. With just one word, God can take away everything. With just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Whatever storm of life you're going through, God's promises can comfort that. But guess what? We have to go to him because there is nothing our God can't do, but we have to go to him. The supernatural um, revelation, really, revealing of God is available to all those who would follow his call to Christ-likeness. You know, God is the only one who knows what the future holds for us, for you, for me. I don't know what the future holds for you. I don't really know what the future holds for me. I think I do. But God is really the only one who knows for certain what you are going to go through in your life. And he wants to prepare you for that future right now. He will help you understand why you are going through what you are presently experiencing. He will help you understand what he is wanting to prepare you for, not only here on earth, but preparing you for in heaven also. God's doing a work of eternity in us here and now. Be encouraged, church. Be strengthened. Call upon the name of the Lord. Have you got a problem that's too big? Think of all the problems in your life. Do you have a situation that's too complex? Just give the problem to Jesus and he's gonna solve your problem in incredible ways that you never thought were possible. Whatever your problem, whatever your situation, whatever your burden, go to him because God has the perfect answer for your need. That's my sub point. Thank you, Gage, appreciate it. God has the perfect answer for your need. Once again, it might not be the answer that you thought you needed. So many times we go to God with that preconceived notion. But guess what? God has the perfect answer for your need, for your situation. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. Call upon the name of the Lord. And so this morning, as we get ready to close out, I want to leave you with a few words. Nothing in the world was so precious to Jeremiah as the God who tried and perplexed him so. God spoke to him and speaks to us in the midst of, all, of it all, everything that's going on, and tells us to pray with confident expectation of his answer. Has this not been the case thus far in your walk with Jesus? Hasn't God answered and blessed the faith and zeal of his people? If he has blessed our weak little prayers that we pray for, and we're like, oh, thank you, God, I didn't know you could do that. It was just a little prayer. What great and unsearchable things would he reveal and release if we would yield ourselves wholeheartedly to call upon the Lord? I mean to give our entire beings to the Lord and say, God, have your way. Have your will with my life. Because I promise you, he's going to answer you. And you are going to get an unimaginable, incomprehensible answer to that problem and situation. You know, when men and women prayerfully turn to God with their whole heart, he will most certainly answer. That's what we've talked about this morning. His answer, though, will not only concern the ordinary things of life, not just the current situations you're going through, but he's going to lift us up to the extraordinary, excuse me, woo, get it out, the place of relationship and fellowship only found by those who consecrate themselves to call upon him. God calls you to accept this invitation and involve yourself in this great experience and revelation really called prayer. Call upon him with great expectation and experience his self-revelation that he has reserved uniquely for you. 
Call upon him, whatever your situation is, and he's going to take you, take you right through it. He's going to be right there through you. But that's our problem, no. Is that a lot of times we only pray when we are going through something. We only pray when we're in trouble. And that brings me to my last sub-point of the day. Don't just call to God in your time of trouble. Call to him in every situation. Whether you're going through something great, you're going through something pretty cruddy, you're going through something else. I don't know. Call to him in every situation. Maybe simply pray to him and say, God, you are good. God, you saved my soul. You sent Jesus to die for me. If you have nothing else to pray for, that's something that you can pray and thank God for. If you think that nothing else in your life is going right, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. And there's nothing that our God can't handle. And so my question for you today is this. Will you accept his invitation to pray? Will you pray? The accomplishment of part of God's will on earth depends on you and is initiated by our prayers. The Father is waiting. Will he fervently, devotedly, and constantly hear from you? Because you have a Father who wants to hear from you. He's waiting to hear from you. And maybe some of you in this room, he hasn't heard from you in a long, long time. Make that change today. Run to the Father. He's waiting for you with open arms. These altars are going to be open this morning. Maybe today's the day that you make it right with the Lord. Maybe you say, Austin, I've been going through some crud in my life, and I've really turned my back on God. Maybe today's the day that you rededicate your life to Christ, and you truly seek his face for forgiveness and decide to live your life for him. But for some of you, maybe all that seems strange and you're still here. You just stumbled in here this morning and maybe you're like, I don't know about this. I know that I'm going through some rough stuff, but I don't know anything about this God and Jesus stuff. Well, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to talk to you about how we're all sinners and we're all gonna go through bad stuff in life and we're all gonna mess up. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, we know that the wages of sin is death. And that death is eternal separation from God and never getting to be in his presence. But God, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. He sent Jesus so that we could have life eternal. He sent Jesus to come to live on earth, to die on the cross, but not just that for us, but that three days later he rose and he resurrected and then was united with God again in heaven. And that's the God that we serve. And God is extending that invitation to you this morning. So maybe that's where you are this morning. You want to know more about this Jesus? I'd love to talk to you. The altars are going to be open this morning. Call out to God. He will, he will take your anxiety, your depression, all that stuff, and he is going to work through you and do unsearchable things through you, but you have to go to him. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much just for allowing us to be here this morning. God, thank you for your word. God, in that even though we read about terrible situations in the Bible, and we're like, man, that's that's kind of crazy that Jeremiah had to go all through all that for you. Help us to know, though, God, you put us through situations maybe for a reason. God, and that through that, your glory and your light can be shown through those situations. And so maybe today, Father, I pray for whatever the people in this room are going through. God, financial troubles, job troubles, relationship troubles, um, bullies at school. I don't know, Father. You know their needs, anxiety, depression. God, I pray right now that they would turn to you, Father, because you're waiting for them. Father, you're waiting for them to come to you and so that you can take those burdens because your word says it, come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, we need rest this morning. So help us to come to you, God, seeking your face in prayer. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.